All right. This is my joy to introduce both Eric, who is the new executive director, and JP, who is, I don't know, the, what's the best term? The man that makes everything happen? Yeah. <laughs> we, we appreciate both of those men very much, and I've gotten to know uh, JP pretty well, uh, especially through his mom and dad. Uh, dad always gives me a hard time about Alabama, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> right now, we probably need it. So, anyway, it's good to have you. JP, you want to come up? And then Eric. And thank you for coming. Well, good morning. Morning. Good morning. It's always good to be back here with y'all. I'll share a little bit about everything that's going on up at the camp. Uh, so this summer, we had another great year up at Camp Good News. We ended up with 280 kids, uh, which is the same number we had last year. So we're holding pretty steady, which is good news. We're not dropping in numbers. Uh, praying that God would send a few more our way. We can't hold too many more. Out of our six weeks, three of them were completely full. Um, so that was a blessing. We we are still, the, the little ones are a little lower on numbers, so hopefully we can get a few more of the little ones, but a lot of times parents are nervous to send their seven-year-old kids to camp. Um, but we did have a great year, 280 kids, and of those 280, 23 accepted Christ as their Savior this summer. Um, so 23 salvations, which was great to see. At least those are the ones that we know where the kids came and talked to a counselor, to myself or somebody, and you never know what other seeds were planted. And I got saved at camp when I was 18 and didn't tell anybody until I was like 23. So you never know. Um, but a great year. And just to share a few stories with y'all just so you can kind of see how God's working up there at camp. Uh, he did, again, keep us safe and protected us this year. We didn't have too many major injuries. We did have a lot of adventures with bees this year. Uh, very first week, we have a hiking trail that goes around the camp. Um, just the property, because a lot of it's on the mountain, and we can't really build up there because it's too steep in the woods and everything. So we just have a hiking trail. It's about a mile long. And the first day of camp, we've been on a hike up the trail with the teen boys. And it's 13 to 16-year-old boys. And so most of them, you know, are high school or upper middle school level. But we did have one boy there who looks like he's about nine. He is 13, but he's a little guy. And on the hike, he was the one that stepped on the hornet's nest. Oh, and they were uh, they were these black and white hornets. And I had never seen black and white hornets before, but I looked them up later. They're called like bull hornets or something. And they seem worse than most because I did get stung by one of them when I went up there to try to kill them. Um, <laughs> but they're also apparently very smart and they recognize when someone steps on their nest. And that poor boy got chased down the mountain. And they wouldn't sting anybody else. He was the only one that got stung. He got stung like 12 times. Uh, but he stayed at camp because he was having fun. So he stayed at camp. <laughs> he just refused, he refused to go back on the hike. I said, that's okay. You don't have to go. That's you, right. are, you are exempt. Um, but we also had another boy who got uh, who got stung on the slip and slide for 10 to 12 weeks. And uh, he, he got stung on the foot. And I was, he was just like, I got stung. It hurts. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry, buddy. If you want to keep going on the slip and slide? He was like, not really. I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, and then after the slip inside, we had some water games, and he came up, and he's like, Mr. GP, my, my foot still hurts. I was like, well, yeah, you got stung. It's okay. You'll be all right. And then about five minutes later, he came walking up to me. It was the first time he was stung in his life. He came walking up, and his whole face had swollen. Oh. And he goes, Mr. JP, I can't breathe. And I was like, okay, buddy, let's go. <laughs> so we ran him up to the mess hall, and we had EpiPens up there. And so we scouted him with the EpiPen, and we called 911, and he was fine. And he also wanted to come back to camp. I said, not until you get an EpiPen. <laughs> you were, you were going to stay in your house until you go to the doctor and you get that thing fixed. Yeah. Um, but God protected us. Everyone stayed safe. And Grace did a great job helping him because I didn't actually know where the EpiPens were. And I said, Grace, where are the EpiPens? 
<laughs> and the whole drive up there, that poor boy, Mr. JP, am I going to die? No, buddy, you're going to be okay. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so so God you know, took care of all those, the, the B situation. We did, uh, for whatever reason, it was a B year at camp. Um, but other stories as well. Um, we had one boy who's been coming to camp for many years. His name is Caesar. Um, I don't know how long he's been coming to camp. He's a, finally made a team week. He's finally 13, but he's been coming for a very long time. Um, and so on the night, the Thursday night, which is the night of our campfire, uh, Caesar came up after the campfire was over, and I was just kind of sitting on the bench waiting for everybody to go back to their cabins, and I had the water hose ready to douse the fire and everything. And Caesar just kind of walked over after everyone had left, and he had he talked to me, and he mentioned that he had been coming to camp for years now. And he says, Mr. JP, every year I come to camp, I want to stay back and talk to somebody about getting saved, but every year I just decide not to do it. He's like, this year I want to. So he stayed back and talked, and I was able to lead Caesar to Christ in their campfire, which was pretty awesome. Um, that's I've shared my testimony before, I think, here. That's where I got saved, was sitting at the campfire as well. So I was able to lead Caesar to Christ after the campfire on Thursday night. And that was awesome because I've known him for a long time. Mm-hmm. He keeps coming to camp. So we were thankful to see that. There's another boy that came during the Teen Boys Week. He's actually, I think he's my second cousin or something. He's from Georgia. Um, but he, uh, his family life is a mess. And uh, he himself has gotten into all kinds of trouble recently with drugs. He's 14 or 15 years old now. Um, his name is Carter, but he is, he's gotten involved in a whole bunch of stuff. And so actually when he came to camp, his dad made a deal with him. Um, his dad said if he would lay off the hard drugs, his dad would buy him chewing tobacco. That was the deal. Um, so he came up to camp with his tobacco and vape pens and various other things that you're not allowed to have. Um, and we kind of knew it, but we never actually saw him do it. So we were just kind of waiting for him to do it where we could see so we could confiscate all the stuff. Um, and actually he had some cousins up there with him who were also my cousins and and uh, from Georgia as well. And they had been praying for this boy for years because they were friends and their cousins. And my those three boys are triplets. They work as counselors now. They're Christians. Uh, they've been praying for this, this guy Carter for a very long time. And then uh, one of the one of the nights at camp, I believe it was a Wednesday night, um, his counselor was a boy named, or was a guy named Eddie who's been coming to camp for like 10 plus years now. Eddie's been at camp for a long time. He's a counselor now. He's a good guy. Um, he also read all the gutters at campus. He said he works at gutters now, so he fixed all our gutters. <laughs> um, but anyway, he was in Eddie's, Eddie's cabin, and Eddie was able to share the gospel with Carter one night, and Carter got saved, uh, which is a big answer to prayer for my three cousins, which is awesome to see. Uh, and then after Carter got saved, Eddie told me, he said he prayed one of the most sincere prayers I've ever heard from a, from a teenage boy, just pouring it all out to God. And then he went to his bag and pulled out all of the tobacco, all the vape, everything that he brought to camp that he knew he shouldn't have. He pulled all of it out. And just gave all of it up willingly. We didn't have to confiscate anything or anything like that. He just gave it to all of us and he turned it all in. Um, and he actually, he goes, you know, my grandfather is a preacher in Georgia and my grandfather knows the family. So I called my grandfather to follow up. We're praying that Carter would actually turn his life around. Because at least for two days at camp, he really seemed to make a change. So we're praying that that was sincere. Um, but yeah, lots of good stories like that from this year at camp where kids coming up from all kinds of situations. I had one boy who stayed back after chapel. Uh, you know, we always ask any kids that want to stay back and talk and come back and talk. And this boy Joseph came back and talked. And his prayer request was that his mom, while he was at camp this week, is that his mom wouldn't get drunk. That was his uh, prayer request. Uh, wow. Just the situations that these kids are coming from are, are pretty uh, pretty astounding. Um, and Joseph actually did get saved that week at camp as well, which is great to see. But that was his prayer request, which was that his mom wouldn't get drunk that week when he was gone because he missed her or she missed him. Um, there was another girl who came to camp who's been coming for a very long time. Her name is Mercy, um, and she is uh, 
We've seen her since she was this tall, seven years old, and she's 16 years old now. But every year she's just fallen further and further away from the Lord, and she's gotten involved in a whole bunch of stuff as well. Uh, just a lot of the LGBT stuff uh, going on. Um, and she every year she's just gone further and further, further down that, further down that track. Um, but this past summer, we actually had the blessing of having, it wasn't just me speaking this year. Um, we actually had a girl up here at camp whose name is Bethany. Uh, and she's actually from Dunn, North Carolina. If any of you know where that is, it's the middle of nowhere next to Fayetteville. University. Yep. <laughs> That's over there. Yeah. Um, so she's from Dunn and she works with the CEF chapter out there, but she knows about the camp through CEF. And so she came to be a counselor. I think her first year as a counselor was 2019 or 2020 or something. Um, and she loves camp. And so she's been helping out every year more and more. And this year she came up to help out all six weeks. And since she was going to be here all six weeks, I asked if she would like to do some of the chapels during the girls' weeks, because girls like to hear from girls more than like to hear from me. Most of my stories involve football or guys fighting or something like that. And all those work for the guys. The girls don't pay as much attention. And so it was nice to have her up there. And so Bethany was actually sharing one night in chapel. And uh, she was sharing the story of Stephen from Acts chapter uh, 7. And, and she, as she was sharing the story of Stephen, and this was not her driving point for the, the lesson that night. It wasn't the main point. But she shared that verse at the end where Stephen looks at the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You know, you, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. Yet you choose to ignore. And so she shared that verse. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit used that verse to speak to Mercy. And after chapel, Mercy came back to talk to Bethany. And she said, when you read that verse, God spoke to me. She says, I, I'm like that. I know what's right and what's wrong. I know what I'm doing is wrong. And I've got to stop. And so she stayed back after chapel for like an hour and just prayed. Um, and I overheard some of her prayer and she prayed with Bethany as well. And again, just one of the most sincere prayers you've ever heard. There was no you know, special language, special words. She barely knew what she was saying. All she knew was that she needed God's forgiveness. And so she stayed back after chapel that night. And that was great to see as well. And we're praying that God will work in her life as well. Um, just because, you know, she also grows up in a rough situation. There's no father. Um, their mother's been in and out of homeless shelters for many years. So anyway, we're praying for her as well as her sister. She's got two sisters that have been coming to camp for forever. Uh, camp wouldn't be what it is without the West girls. So they've been coming for a long time. But anyway, those are some of the stories from this summer at camp. Thank you all for praying for the camp, uh, for what you've done for us. I know many of you have been up to camp and helped us out in various ways. Uh, it's different without Luke up there, obviously. I still miss him. I can't yeah. reach half the things I have to do now, and I gotta get a ladder. We used to have to just be like, hey, Luke, you get that. <laughs> um, it was one of our conversations a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, camp's still going strong, though. It's still going good. Like I said, God's continue to bless us. God's continue to take care of us, provide for us all of our needs. The ice machine, the miracle ice machine, I'm pretty sure it's on its last leg now. We're probably gonna have to get a new one, but we believe God provided for that. But I was able to drive that ice machine through one more summer, and God continued to take care of all the equipment. Nothing collapsed. Uh, that Actually, the about three days before camp started, I went into one of the cabins to clean it, and I stepped on a spot on the floor, and the floor went, and I said, well, that's not good. Uh, so I pulled up the, I pulled up the flooring, and I, I got in there, and sure enough, the wood had rotted. But we didn't need the cabin that week, and I, between me and my dad and a couple other people, we were able to get that whole floor replaced in about five days. And so now it probably needs to be actually legitimately fixed by someone that really knows what they're doing. But it did hold up for the summer, and it feels pretty solid. So God's been providing for the camp for... I don't know how many years at this point. I don't think he's going to stop. But our theme this summer uh, was to stand firm in the faith. That was the overall theme. Um, our main stories came from the book of Daniel. So every day we at camp, we have two chapels, one in the morning, one in the evening. 
And in the morning chapels, we would speak from the book of Daniel. And in the evening chapels, we would go over to the book of Acts and talk about some stories um, from different characters in Acts, different people who stood firm in their faith, like Stephen, who I mentioned. That was one of the reasons that we chose Stephen was his old, didn't back down, stood up, stood strong for Jesus, even as he was being tried, even as he was facing being stoned. He never backed down. He stood firm in his faith. So that was our theme. Uh, let's see, just to go through some of the chapels. Uh, Monday morning, we did Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Uh, Monday evening was Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. Tuesday morning, uh, that would have been the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Tuesday night would have been Stephen. Wednesday morning, we actually did the story of two kings. We did King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel chapter, was that Daniel chapter 4, where he actually wrote that chapter, and then Daniel 5. Um, with his grandson Belshazzar. So we did, we compared those two kings, how King Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself, and Belshazzar didn't, and it didn't work out for him. Mm. Um, and then that evening, we talked about um, Saul's conversion in Acts, mm. uh, Saul's conversion to, to Paul. And then Thursday uh, was, of course, Daniel in the lion's den. And then Thursday evening, uh, that was Saul, Paul, and Philippi, Acts chapter 16. And then Friday morning, we just kind of closed out with uh, just you know, I wasn't about to go into the second half of Daniel with a bunch of kids. They can study that on their own when they get older and more mature. Um, but we did talk about um, one of Daniel's visions of what heaven is going to be like. And Friday morning, that was kind of the theme. It was just like, hey, if you believed in Jesus, heaven is your home. This is what the Bible says heaven is like. And this is what we have to look forward to. And so that was that was what the summer uh, was like as far as the chapels go, was to stand firm in the faith. And of course, Sunday night. First chapel, uh, we were doing Daniel chapter one, which is where we'll be this morning, just to give you guys a little taste of what the kids might have heard this uh, summer at camp. And then after I'm done, uh, Eric will come up and kind of talk about what we're doing in the coming weeks and months, what you guys can be praying about camp and things like that. But I just want to share a little bit about what we've been, what we learned this summer at camp. And I hope uh, that it's encouraging for y'all as well. It was encouraging for me as I was able to share this for six straight weeks. Um, so Daniel chapter one. Of course, we have in Daniel chapter 1, that's uh, where King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, on their war path, comes in, takes over the kingdom of Judah. Verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So King Nebuchadnezzar, and I share with some of the kids as well, especially the older ones, not so much with the little ones, but we share with the older ones about how the children of Israel had been going away from God for years. And it was time that God, just like he prophesied that he would, just like he told or that he said he would do, he came in and he said, all right, if you're not going to follow me. We're going to come in. I'm going to punish you. You're going to live in Babylon um, in exile while you pay for, you know, not following me. And so God used King Nebuchadnezzar to move in. To take the children of Israel, it would wipe out the kingdom of Judah. But of course, King Nebuchadnezzar was a smart guy. He wasn't just going to come in and kill everybody. If he had something that he liked, he was going to take it back to Babylon, whether that was treasure or whether it was these three boys that we meet. This uh, verse three, moving on. It says the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand. And qualified to serve in the king's palace. Then I also like to ask the kids who do they who among you thinks that you meet that description? See who had a big head. And if any of them would raise their hand and be like, I could say, well, maybe not so much. I don't think <laughs> no, no, no. no one's taking you back to, to Babylon. So, but anyway, 
He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians, and the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So our whole theme for the summer was to stand firm in the faith. And right here, we're going to see the example of four boys who were teenagers when they were taken, probably 13 to 17 years old, the same age as many of the campers that were at camp. They were not old guys. They were, they were kids. Um, but they were recognized for, you know, looking good, being smart, whatever it was. They were recognized by Ashpenaz, King Nebuchadnezzar, and they brought them back to Babylon so that they could train, basically indoctrinate them in the ways of the Babylonians. They didn't want them to be uh, children of Israel anymore. They didn't want them to be Israelites or Judeans or anything. They wanted them to be Babylonians. They were going to come in and just completely indoctrinate them in the ways of Babylon, much like what kids are facing nowadays, much like many of really everyone's facing nowadays. With, especially with the kids, though. That's why I chose to have Stand Firm in the Faith as a theme this year, because I know what kids are hearing in their schools. We know what kids are learning in their families. It takes someone who's going to be willing to stand firm in order to face these things. I know uh, Eric had just mentioned that girl, Ella, and I know the name. And I, couldn't put a, I couldn't put a face to her as I was trying to remember who it was, but these kids are coming from situations where they don't hear the gospel, where they don't know Jesus in their homes. They go to school, and they're also being told all these things uh, that are just wrong. And so it's going to take it's going to take a generation of people who are willing to stand firm in order to fight back against that. So that's why I chose Daniel, and that's why I chose this theme for the summer because we wanted to really hit that. These boys were taken, and they were going to be indoctrinated in the ways of the world and the ways of Babylon. Um, they were going to be given, of course, the, the choice food, the choice wine. Uh, they were going to be trained and told, you know, every, all that stuff that you believe, all that that God you believe in, forget about all of that. We're going to teach you all about our gods. We're going to tell you, you're, you're going to learn to be a Babylonian. You're going to be good ones. I mean, so verse 6, of course, is where we meet them. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And of course, names really meant something back in the day. Um, I, for example, I know Jonathan means something. My mom told it to me when I was little, and I had a little like, little like a picture frame that had my name and what it meant. I forgot what it means. Names don't really mean anything to us nowadays. You just kind of name. You, a lot of times you name people whatever you, you know. You name your child whatever. You know, it sounds good. But back then, names obviously had a much deeper meaning. Um, so Daniel actually means God is my judge. Um, and when they changed it to Belteshazzar, what they they changed it to was you know you that's not that's not who you are anymore. Now you're Bell's prince. Belteshazzar, Bell's prince. Bell is one of their gods. You're not going to be Daniel anymore. Forget about God. This God that you serve, don't worry about him. You're going to be Bell's prince now. To Hananiah, they changed to Shadrach. Hananiah means beloved by the Lord. Shadrach means illuminated by the sun god. Their god. All right, you're not beloved by the Lord anymore. Your God, really? The one that let you be taken over here? The one that let you be captured? He doesn't love you. Instead of, you're illuminated by the sun god. Now, you're loved by our gods now. You're one of us. Uh, to Mishael, who is as God, is what that name means. Uh, change to Meshach, who is like Shaq. He's one of their gods, not the basketball player. <laughs> who is as God? Uh, constant reminder, when Meshach would hear, or Mishael would hear that name, who is as God, he would be able to praise the Lord for who God is. But they took him and they said, that's not who you are anymore. Now you're going to be Meshach. Who is like our guys instead? And to Azariah, Abednego, the Lord is my helper. That's what Azariah means. And then servant of Nago, which is another one of the Babylonian gods. So for all these boys, they weren't even going to be able to go by their own names anymore. They said, forget about all that stuff. 
you're going to be who we tell you to be now. And so as they're faced with all these difficult choices, as they're faced with all these difficult circumstances, they're given a choice. And of course, it wasn't just Daniel and his friends. Those are the four we read about, but they would have taken many Israelite children. It wasn't just those four. Um, but it was these four that decided they were going to stand firm. And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, kind of get to the crux of this little story right here. It says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel and his friends resolved, they made up their minds, that they were going to stand firm. They made up their mind that they were going to follow the Lord no matter what. We talked with the kids this summer, it matters what you're standing on. It matters where your feet are planted. If your feet are planted on a firm foundation, you'll be able to stand firm. But if your feet are planted on anything else on the world, on anything of this world, then you're not going to be able to stand firm. We actually, we had a rather fun example. We had some rollerblades. I, I got this from Bethany. This is not my idea, Bethany's idea. But she had some rollerblades, and we would ask one of the counselors to come up on stage, and we'd strap the rollerblades on them and ask them to stand there. And it was always good to get the counselors that had no sense of balance whatsoever. <laughs> and we had them wear the rollerblades, and we had another counselor standing by the side, just standing normally. And it's like, all right, so when you have this counselor right here in the rollerblades, if I come up behind them and push them, they're just going to fall. Especially because they had no balance to begin with, really. And now they're wearing the rollerblades, and they would just roll off the stage, and we played up for the kids, and they'd really, you know, use the physical comedy aspect of it and go tumbling down the stage. And you go to the counselor that's just standing on the stage firmly, you push them, and they're not going to go anywhere. They, they're planted firmly. It matters what your feet are standing on. And for Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had they they knew they knew the God that they believed in. They they trusted him no matter what. They knew that the God that they served was not going to leave them as long as they stood firm with him. Which is an important message for many many people to hear today, Amen. especially for the kids who come in the camp. I've I showed shared with you some of the stories, but there are many more um, kids that need to understand that you can you can put your hope and faith and trust in things of the world. You can put your faith in how good you are at sports or what your reputation is or anything like this, but that's going to fall apart. It's not going to last. The only thing that's really going to last forever is if you put your faith in Christ and if you're standing firm in Him. But Daniel and his friends, they resolved, they decided that they were going to stand firm. They made they, they, they made that decision. They were not going to let the Babylonians change who they were. It's, it's a difficult decision to make, especially when they were surrounded by everything like that. You know? The hardest thing, as Mr. Dennis used to say, the hardest thing about self-control, you have to do it yourself. <laughs> no one's going to force you. These boys, their parents were no longer with them. No one was going to force them to follow the Lord. It would have been the easy choice was to go along with everything else. All the other Israelites seemed to at least go along with it. All the other ones taken into captivity. But Daniel and his friends resolved, decided that they were not going to give in. I'm, you know, I'm sure we've all had New Year's resolutions that lasted about two weeks and then ended pretty quickly. About the best I've ever done in my life was a few years ago, actually, right when Grace and I began to date right around then. So it's been a few years now. Um, but I used to be much larger than I am today, and I decided I didn't want to be that big anymore. So I resolved that I wasn't going to eat ice cream for a year. And by God's grace and a miracle, I managed to do that. But as soon as my birthday came rolling around, I went to Kilwins and Black Mountain. I got like three scoops. <laughs> um, but for a year, I managed to go without eating ice cream. And I laughed because that's such a small, tiny thing compared to what these guys went yeah. through. They resolved they weren't going to eat the food, even though it was delicious. Uh, they weren't going to drink the wine. They weren't going to... You know, they would go to the, the schools, I'm sure, and they learned the Babylonian language and all these things, but they did not forget who their God was through all of it. They resolved they were not going to eat the food or drink the wine, obviously because they had the loss of God about what they could and couldn't eat, whether it was kosher 
Um, also, I'm sure that food and wine had been offered to their gods and their idols. So there was no way that Daniel and his friends were going to defile themselves. They decided and resolved that they were not going to do that. And so in verse 9, it says that God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. And the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king. Basically, the official comes up and he says, listen, guys, I understand where you're coming from. But if I don't give you this stuff, Nebuchadnezzar is going to kill me. Like, do you, do you know who Nebuchadnezzar is? You haven't, you haven't really met him yet. He's a scary guy. And uh, if I if you don't eat this, then that's on me. So would you would you please, like, seriously, please, would you just eat it? Would you just do these things? Please, I'm begging you. Um, but, of course, Daniel shows a tremendous amount of grace with this official as well. And God gave Daniel and his friends grace and wisdom. And Daniel said to the guard in verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat, water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Which I'm thankful that this is not a call to vegetarianism because I like meat too much. <laughs> but Daniel and his friends, you know, they just they went up to him and they said, hey, you know what? Give us, give us a test for 10 days to see how it goes. If at the end of the 10 days, if we're just completely scrawny and horrible looking and terrible and malnourished at the end of the 10 days, then we'll see what happens. But give us at least 10 days where you just give us the vegetables to, and, and the water and, and then compare us with everybody else. And again, by God's grace, after the end of 10 days, Daniel and his friends were better looking. Uh, they were doing better than all the other guys. We actually, uh, again, Bethany was sharing the story. Um, we kind of worked together as we were preparing lessons. And back home, over in Dunn, Bethany, uh, she actually works at a gym, a Ninja Warrior gym. If you know anything about Ninja Warrior, that's what she does. So she's really good at all the obstacle course stuff and things like that. And she was sharing the story with one of the boys that she works with at the gym. And she told him how Daniel and his friends had vegetables for 10 days. And, you know, at the end of it, they looked better than everybody else. And the little boy looked at her and he said, they got buff eating vegetables? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that's right. For 10 days, they got buff eating vegetables. <laughs> and so after 10 days, Daniel and his friends, again, by a miracle of God, by his grace, they looking better than everybody else. So the guard took them, and it says in verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked to them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So here we see, just in this short little story in Daniel chapter 1, how Daniel and his friends resolved, decided, made up their minds that they were going to stand firm in the faith, that they were not going to turn their backs on God, which would have been super easy to do. Not only from the fact, when you look at it, you know, they, their country just got taken over. It certainly would have looked like God had abandoned them. certainly would have looked like God didn't care about them. He let them, the Babylonians come in and wipe them out. If they got put in that situation, their, their names were changed, basically trying to indoctrinate them, telling them to forget who they were, forget your identity, who cares what you learned growing up, what matters, what we're going to tell you. Now they gave him all the best food. Everything was set up so that Daniel and his friends would turn their backs on the Lord. And yet they didn't. We can, you can read the rest of the book of Daniel and see that through all the stories. Whether they were facing the fiery furnace, whether they were facing certain lion's den, whether Daniel was facing death, even in Daniel chapter 2, where no one can interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And he just comes in and says, all right, kill all of y'all. I don't need you. No matter what they were facing, Daniel and his friends stood firm. They never turned their back on the Lord. 
um, which is incredible. Um, and it's, it's a strong uh, a strong challenge for us today. We don't face anything like what Daniel and his friends are facing right here. And yet it can be so easy for us to forget forget the Lord and to turn our backs on him and to kind of just go off and do our own thing. We forget who Jesus says we are. We forget what he offers for us. We have our eyes focused on the world. We have our eyes focused on other things. We really forget a lot. It's important to resolve to make up your mind that you're going to follow the Lord. So it's a decision we have to make daily. Daily take up your cross and follow Christ. Um, and that's, that's the lesson that we got from Daniel for the kids this summer. Um, just to kind of close out, I'll share our theme verse for the summer real quick. Our theme verse was not actually in the book of Daniel. It was over in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And there it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's our command, is to be steadfast and immovable. Just to be just rock steady. Don't let anything shake your faith. Don't let anything come in and tear you down. Uh, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you believed in him, Amen. there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be scared of. There's no reason to be frightened. We can have the same same faith and the same courage that Daniel and his friends had. As a matter of fact, now we even have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Who strengthens us, who encourages us, who builds us up, who gets us through tough times. Um, just a, it's just a big encouragement to know that. And so that would be my challenge for today, is just to resolve to follow the Lord no matter what. Daily take up your cross and follow him. To be steadfast and immovable and always abound in the work of the Lord. So I'm going to finish up a little earlier than I normally would, because like I said, I'm not the only one at camp now. Uh, we now have Eric working up there, and it's not just me having to do everything, which is awesome, because he gets to do all the jobs that I hate doing. <laughs> I get that frees me up to do a lot of now, if he doesn't like doing the job either, then we're in trouble. Because if we oh, both yeah, don't like it, right. yeah, then we're in, we're in a real pickle right there. Um, but it is great to have Eric up at camp. He's been helping out a lot. Um, he, he's a lot better at things when it comes to being the actual executive director. Because I am. I mean, I got trained by Mr. Dennis. And when I got when I say I got trained, I mean, he kind of just showed me how things work and said I had fun. Um, so, <laughs> which, no, I mean, that's perfectly fine. I, I, we've managed for a few years now. But, uh, but Eric is a much better administratively than I am, kind of knows the ins and outs of how to run things, and whereas I've always just kind of cut the grass and made sure buildings were still standing, he knows a lot more about how to raise funds and to talk to people and things like that that I'm just not not good at. So anyway, uh, we're very happy to have Eric up at camp now, and uh, I'll ask him now if he'd like to come up and share just a little bit. Um, so thank you all for letting us come. Yeah, thank, thank you, dude. Thank you, man. Thanks, JP. Yes, sir. Appreciate it so much. You see why God called JP, I think, when he was like two years old. Yeah. <laughs> He'd been at the camp almost all of his life, literally. I mean, amazing how long. And he knows, he knows what's going on. And he's, God has enabled him with the, the, the ministry that God called him to do. God has really enabled him to do, and, and today's presentation is just a sample mm -hmm. of what God uh, called and enabled uh, JP to do at, at Camp Good News, and I'm grateful to God for him. Well, and he's also very extemporaneous. I'm not, <laughs> as you know. So uh, just just bear with me as I uh, 
the anti-extemporaneous in, in my talking. But anyway, as you know, I'm the new kid on the block at Camp Good News. Uh, and you heard uh, JP share what's been going on at the camp recently. And, and I'm glad that God has continued to use him and keep him there on, on staff at the camp. Uh, I was called by the Camp Good News uh, Board of Directors as well as the State Board of Child Evangelism Fellowship to be the Executive Director. And I started, actually officially started on Sandy's and my 50th wedding anniversary, August 18th of this year. And uh, it's been, uh, I guess, about, uh, about five years or so since our good friend Dennis Bailey retired and leaving that uh, position vacant. Um, and because of that, I have really big shoes to fill uh, because Dennis was an excellent executive director and JP, you know, sat at the feet of Dennis, wouldn't you say? Yeah, sat at the feet of Dennis and, uh, who started the camp uh, back in the uh, late 1990s, as I understand. And Dennis had and still has a, a heart for children. Now, I'm having to learn a lot, uh, which is not easy for an old guy like me. Uh, some of you know just how old I am. I'm not quite as old as Pastor Peter, but <laughs> I'm getting closer each year, right? <laughs> but anyway, uh, and JP has been very patient with me, having to tell me the same thing, uh, same things over and over and over again until I finally learn them and finally remember them. And JP, I'll probably have to ask you in a couple of weeks, you know, something that I thought I had learned and remembered, but maybe I didn't. But anyway, one thing I do know is this. I know that the only purpose for Camp Good News, as well as all of Child Evangelism Fellowship for that matter, the only purpose for Camp Good News is to reach children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything else we do at camp is secondary to that. Um, one of the mandates given to me by the board was to uh, is to increase uh, the income for the camp. And our treasurer, Roland Culp, uh, has reminded me more than once. He said, if you are to survive, if we as a camp are to survive as a ministry, we'll have to be able to pay our bills. Well, of course, that makes sense even for churches to be able to pay their bills. Now, just so you'll know, Child Evangelism Fellowship uh, does not support the camp financially. In fact, until recently, uh, the camp helped to support Child Evangelism Fellowship. Thankfully, that's over. Hmm. We're good. <laughs> but anyway, um, um, the only way for us to pay our bills is through the generous giving of individuals and churches, as well as parents who can afford to pay for their kids to be uh, at camp, uh, both in the summertime and now in our after-school program. Uh, 
you may know that since its inception, and this was uh, Dennis Bailey's uh, vision, since its inception, Camp Good News has always been open to at-risk kids. Kids from disabled, I mean, dysfunctional families, as JP, you know, touched on a couple of those. Um, and this means that many of our parents and guardians, uh, single parents, whoever they are, many of them cannot afford to pay for camp. Again, summer camp, after school camp, a lot of them cannot afford to pay. And we have scholarships uh, for those who need full assistance and for partial assistance. And we have a few parents who can afford to pay uh, without any assistance at all. Now, you might be asking yourself, and I have to admit, uh, when I first started there, I was thinking the same thing. Well, why don't you focus more on bringing in more families who can pay? Why don't you do that? Well, uh, let me say quite honestly that since I first started working uh, at the camp, my time was really focused on that very thing, trying to bring in more paying families. But gradually, in the time that I've been there, my thinking has changed somewhat. Yes, money is important. Yes, we need to pay our bills as a camp. Yes, we need those who can afford to pay to expect them to pay. All of that is important, and I believe it's also biblical. Uh, however, Jesus' great commission was not going to all the world and get enough money to pay your bills. That was not the Great Commission. The Great Commission basically is to reach the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to teach new disciples to obey uh, the word of, of God, and that includes children. But the day, the day is coming uh, and uh, when, um, well, let me, let me back up. Of all the people in the world, children are the most vulnerable. Uh, no, children are the, well, they are that, but they are the most impressionable and they are the most eager to learn new things including the Bible. But when these children reach their teenage years, the, the, as most teenagers do, and I probably, if I were to have a show of hands, I would probably get a lot of you say the same thing as I was, kind of a rebellious teenager. Teenagers tend to um, become rebellious toward their parents, toward their teachers, toward people in authority, and even rebellious against God. Knowing this, 
Jesus said about children in Matthew 19, 14. He said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Not teenagers, but children. That's why we focus on children at, at Camp Good News. In Proverbs uh, 22, 6, wise King Solomon said this, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct them onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. And as I said, uh, this is why Camp Good News exists. No other reason it is to reach children with the good news of Jesus Christ, to get them on the right path and to keep them on the right path. Folks, the money means nothing except this. It's a means to continue reaching children, as many children as we can, in as many ways as we can. And that's the only purpose of money at Camp Good News, and for that matter, here at Blue Ridge Bible Church. Child Evangelism Fellowship, which is our parent organization, says uh, that our mission is this. It says on the website, it says, we are a Bible-centered organization composed of born-again believers whose purpose is to evangelize boys and girls with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to establish the disciple them in the word of God and in a local church for Christian living. We are Camp Good News is in every uh, sense of the word a faith mission, not supported by CEF. We are a faith mission. And what this means is that, first of all, we have to have faith in the Lord. We have to have faith that the Lord will supply all of our needs in order for us to continue as a mission. Second, it means that the Lord depends on the generosity. Let me say that again. The Lord depends on the generosity of his people to provide the necessary funding. Now, with that, with that in mind, I want to read some other words of scripture. The first one is John the Baptist uh, replied to the self-righteous crowd of Jews in Luke 3.11. John the Baptist said this. If you have two shirts, mm. give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Solomon revealed this insight to the Israelites in Proverbs 21, 13. He said, those who shut their eyes to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Paul described 
Uh, in Galatians 2.10, Paul described the Jewish council's advice about the Gentile believers. Remember, at that time, uh, it was mostly Jewish believers in the church. But he, uh, Paul described uh, the council's advice about Gentile believers in addition to continuing to mm -hmm. preach that to them. He said this. Their only suggestion was that we, Paul and the other Jewish believers, that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do, Paul said. Pastor James in Jerusalem, he wrote to the self-centered Jerusalem church in James 1.27. He said this. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Again, pa Pastor James gives another example of their selfishness of the Jerusalem church in James chapter 2 this time, verses 15 and 16. He said, he wrote, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But when you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? Now, an angel said to the Roman officer Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 4, the angel said this, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. I like that. And the last one I want to share with you is this. Jesus said to the disciples of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 7, verse 22, um, Jesus said this, go back to John the Baptist, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. I want to close my time Again, thank you, JP, for the excellent job you did in sharing about the camp. But I want to close my time of sharing with these three things. First of all, on behalf of uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship, which, by the way, is the only camp in the state of North Carolina that's a part of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Uh, I want to say to Blue Ridge Bible Church, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and by the way, Sandy and I are members of, the, of this church. But I want to say thank you very much for your continued support of the camp. It has been a blessing to us, to JP and me and, and the board. It's been a great blessing. And it has helped us greatly in enabling us to reach uh, children with the good news of Jesus Christ. Second thing I want to say is that uh, I would like to challenge you. 
Uh, if individually, if you are able to give above and beyond your tithe and offering to this church, prayerfully consider supporting the camp. Uh, I know that uh, some of you already do that, and we're grateful. And uh, JP and I can show you an easy way how you as families, individuals can do that as well, in addition to what the church, how the church supports us. And the third thing is that I hope someday you'll be able to come out to the camp when the kids are present and, and see JP in action, see, meet the kids. Oh yeah, I tell you what, I mean, during the summer, I came out every Thursday morning and, and some of the times I gave what we call a nugget to the kids and, and you know, with long after breakfast. And that was wonderful. I got to meet very briefly some of the kids, including Cassie. I wish you she were here this morning, but she's not. But uh, it, it's, it was such a blessing to meet some of the kids uh, in summer camp. But since I started, summer camp is over, and now we have our after school kids. Right now, we have uh, nine kids in their, our after school program, hoping to increase that number. Not for the not for numbers sake, but so that we'll be able to reach more children with the gospel. But I've been able to really get to know uh, these nine kids, and what a blessing it has been. And I hope that you'll be able to come uh, to the camp sometime after school and, and meet our nine or more kids. Uh, as well. It will be a blessing to you just as it has been to us. And I just want to say thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate what God is doing through the ministry of that camp. Appreciate God bringing people in. All right. Um, what uh, you shared, I think, is, needs to be repeated, and that is that we want to take seriously our responsibility here at the church as well as at the camp. And that's part of our outreach to help fulfill God's commission, which He has entrusted to us. And I want to be faithful to that, and I know you do too. So I ask you really to pray about that. Pray for the camp, I pray for the board, I pray for the kids. Uh, and pray how you might be involved in help with that. The, 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 the funds that are given are tangibly used of the Lord to help make the work prosper. It's a good one.